Hey there, how are you? It's your host, Kevin Pollock. Welcome back to my Mrs. Maisel pod. How have you been? What's uh, what's happening in your neck of the world? Uh, please write to me and let me know. My Mrs. Maisel pod at gmail.com. would love to hear from you. We have a fantastic guest today. Oh, my. Um, this is another one of those brilliant uh, people, actor in this case, who we talked to about a couple episodes. I know the last episode that dropped, if you're listening to these in order, that was uh, episode 22 of My Mrs. Maisel Pod with Marin Hinkle. We talked about season three, episode two. Well, my guest today, Max Castella, we will also talk about season three, episode two, and then we'll talk about season two, episode 10. Max is extraordinary, and I love talking to him, as you will see. And then uh, we'll get to your uh, fan mail, of course, uh, towards, uh, you know, the end. But, um, yeah, super talented, unfairly talented, one could argue. Uh, great character actor. Look him up. Done incredible work. Please check him out. And uh, here now, ladies and Jews. Oh, is that for me? Let me just see. Oh, it's fan mail for the show. I'm going to save this for afterwards. Enjoy my conversation with Max Casella. Hey, Max, you're at home in New York, are you? Yes, I'm home, yeah. Yeah, and, I, was, uh, uh, I was in Oklahoma for six months. I Jesus. just got back. Yeah. Am I, did you serve some time or am I allowed to ask what you were doing in Oklahoma? Yeah, I, it was like serving time in Oklahoma. It was, uh, no, but it was a great job. I was doing um, a show that's going to premiere in November on Paramount Plus. It's called Tulsa King, starring Ooh. Sylvester Stallone. Right. Yeah. So that shot in, uh, didn't shoot a lot in Tulsa. It shot mostly in Oklahoma City, which is where I was. Yeah. Two other people I know were had to leave some function early where were we to go back to work oh it was jay and andrea savage savage yeah and well a guy named jay will was on mrs mazel and he's on uh, tulsa king as well jay will will brill no, no. jay jay jay, will. jay young will. young handsome black kid tall that's it <laughs> he did a he did an episode or two. I don't know what he did. Yeah, Mrs. yeah. Maisel. So maybe I don't know. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know what it was. It was in Kansas City. There's this big um charity of weekend called Big Slick. And they were all leaving early to drive from Kansas City to Oklahoma to to return to work on that son of a yeah, bitch. Yeah. It was uh Andrea, right? And uh yeah. Andrea Savage. Yeah. Yeah. And so six months in Oklahoma. Yeah, from like mid-March to the end of August, so almost six months. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you, you got your own place or something when you were there? I had an apartment. Long? I had an apartment, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was fine. Sure. <laughs> you know, if I had a break, I'd come home. Yeah. Or, or my kids would come and visit me, or I'd go home and see them, or, you know. But um, it was hard being there for like four or five days not working, Yes. Just being in Oklahoma City. Sure. I didn't, I didn't like it <laughs> very much. Are you born and raised in the New York area? 
No, I was born in Washington, D.C., but I grew up in Boston, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Okay. Yeah. So I lived in Cambridge till I was 18. And then? New York. Yeah. My parents are from the Bronx. Uh-huh. But my dad was a newspaper man. He wrote for the Boston Globe. That's why I, I was raised in Cambridge. Outside wow. Of Boston. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, uh, well, listen, first I want to thank you for uh, making time today to my pleasure, man. To join me and talk all things Maisel. Um, I like to, uh, well, where, where can people look? You said Paramount Plus for that? Yeah, series? Tulsa King on Paramount Plus premieres November 13th. Okay. Well, these are these are dropping somewhere in there. Um, so folks should check out Tulsa King on the Paramount yes. Plus. It's going to be fantastic. Oh, I'm very excited. Um, Sly, Sly Stallone's first TV series. He's unbelievably great in it. Yeah. He plays like a mobster of some kind? He plays a mob uh, boss who gets out of prison after 25 years. And he's an old guy. And like they, all the younger generation in the mafia have like now are bosses. And yeah. they have no respect for the older guys. And they kick, him to, they kick him out of New York and send him out. They exile him to Tulsa, Oklahoma to set up a crew and a business and set up shop out there and it's sort of like a humiliation but he ends up making the a, a really you know he ends up like you know taking over the town but, but his but his new crew is like a bunch of misfit you know motley crews like me and there's uh uh there's like me and there's a uh this black kid and then there's these uh, uh native americans and then there's these potheads that run the the the, the dispensary these young kids you know, yeah. you know, it's just it's fantastic, you know. Well, that's exciting. And who's the showrunner on that? Someone's fantastic. Ter Terrence Winter, who who did. Uh, oh, of course. Sopranos yeah. and Boardwalk Empire. Boardwalk Empire, Vinyl. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's brilliant. And it's Taylor Sheridan created the show. Who's, oh, my. Uh, Some more pedigree. Yellowstone and. Uh, all yeah. yeah. Well, congrats on that. Can't wait to see it. Thank you. Uh, what was your introduction to the Maisel world? I auditioned for, um, I think I auditioned. Yeah, I auditioned. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I don't know if I auditioned or if they just gave it to me. But yeah. um, I was just, uh, it just came up, it dropped into my lap. Sure. Random. Random. Yeah. And was your first experience uh, uh, on the show at the table read? You know what? Uh, it's, it's been I, too long. It's been, what was that, 2017 when yeah. it started? I don't remember if it was a table read. Um, I don't remember, Kevin. <laughs> but this is going great. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I don't know. But yeah, I remember making the episode for sure. And, and um, so that was season one. I think it was one. the second episode. It was That's called. Right. Uh, because you left yeah uh i have it written down as episode th three in season one after oh, midge's uh because oh. you left it's called because you left right yeah yeah after her second arrest she meets with kessler yeah okay so that's episode three yeah okay yeah yeah and and is called because you left yes that i don't remember so uh what what do you remember from anything from working on that episode like um i remember doing it i remember like the scenes in my office where i come in and i'm you know 
there's this metal door to the elevator, whatever. It keeps opening. I keep slamming it. It keeps opening. Yeah. I keep slamming it. And I'm speaking like <laughs> rapid fire dialogue. And I just remember having a blast with it. And uh, I wanted my hair to be crazier, but it wasn't long enough. So they kind of like just did what they could with it. But I was hoping to have some kind of like real like, you know, Einstein kind of thing going on. But oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, I remember doing that and. Uh, and now you want crazy hair because are you basing it on anyone or? Yeah, he's based on, um, God, now I put Kunstler. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he had crazy hair, but it said it in the script that his hair uh -huh. was crazy. Oh, okay. So, and I kind of thought like, you know, maybe like a little bit of a Barton Fink thing, get the Jew fro out a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, did we did what we could, but it, with, uh, it was a lot of fun and. Uh, the writing on the show, as you know, is fantastic. So it was just a pleasure to do. Yeah. Very specific cadence, rhythm. Yeah, right. Boom. It's got to be done that way. And it's yeah. got to be word perfect. And I'm very comfortable in those parameters. And why, you know? why do you suppose you are very comfortable? Do you have a theater background? I have a huge theater background. I started oh. in the theater. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I have a huge theater background. And I that's started, where you got comfortable? Since I was 12 years old, I started in the theater. Yeah, I've and been, they, I've been, uh, I did theater in professionally in Boston at the Huntington Theater at, since I was a little kid. And how did and, that begin and why? Um, it was just purely by chance. I was sort of like the, the school artist. You know, I was just drawing since I was in preschool, since I could hold a, a magic marker. I was drawing, drawing, and drawing like crazy and making up. Uh, comic book characters and superheroes and stuff mm -hmm. and then I, I got into um watching marcel marceau and silent uh, comedies and i started doing some like little mime shows with my friend in school uh we loosely based off don martin's cartoons and mad magazine and sure. we sort of acted out some of those don martin cartoons in in silence i have to ask how a preteen gets into marcel marceau Oh, my parents were very, we, you know, we had PBS going on all the time and I wasn't allowed to watch television except for what was already allowed, which was very little. Um, so my parents would show me things, you know, they were very, very hip cultured New Yorkers, you know, they were, you know, they were children of the depression. So yeah. their parents were immigrants. Yeah. So they were first generation American and they were very, very hip. My yeah. father was, my mother used to go out and, and see Thelonious Monk and, you know, um, everything, you know, they were, they were, my father was a Lenny jazz, Bruce. Yeah, Lenny Bruce. They saw the, all of them, all of them. Yeah. So, you know, they, 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 there were art books. I knew about Picasso. I was copying Picasso out of the, out of his books when I was like nine, nine years old or whatever, you know, drawing nudes and my mother would put them up on the wall. And my friends would be like, <laughs> Yo, your mother let you put that on the wall? It's like, yeah, it's art, stupid. Uh, yeah, great. No. That's that's the perfect phrasing. It's art, stupid. Now, uh, can we go back to the moment of your childhood when you were, as you said, drawing, yeah, so, dra drawing I, your, no, drawing your own superheroes? Because I'd like to go back to that moment if we had a time machine so you could smack yourself upside the head and say, just stick with drawing the superheroes. You need to create some cartoons and superheroes and comic books and yeah. And I, I love I love yeah. now. I don't know if I would have made it as if I was, if if that was going to be my 
I wasn't disciplined. You know, you got to be disciplined to draw comics, you know. Sure. You got a lot of output going on. Um, they gave me, my parents would give me art lessons and I would just lose interest in it altogether. I just didn't have any any discipline. I just wanted you, to draw what I wanted, when I wanted, and everybody leave me alone. Sounds like a child. Yeah, like I was a child. So they, <laughs> they got me this Russian, uh, Russian refugee uh, from Soviet Union uh, when I was a kid named Ilya Shavel, and he was extremely strict and extremely Russian. And he made me, he made me draw things exactly as they are. And I couldn't stand it to the point where he showed up once and I was drunk off my ass. I was only like, I was like 13. <laughs> and he showed up and I was just plastered from, I was at my friend's house. We like dipped into his father's liquor cabinet. And that was the last time I had to see him ever again. He just probably <laughs> left it. I said, I don't want any more. I don't want any more art classes. Yeah. So then I got into mine with my friend and there was a woman uh, named Judy Contrucci she, in the Cambridge school system, public school system. She was the drama coordinator for the public high schools and the public grammar schools. And she saw me and my friend doing mime shows and She's like, well, you know, we need a kid for our high school production of Pippin to play Theo. Would you like to do that? I was like, yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. Uh, so she put me in the high school play, even though I was still a kid in grammar school. And the minute I stepped on, stepped on stage and I just was like, this is, I have to be doing, I can't do anything else. Wow. I mean, no, uh, when I was epiphany. so... I was so small and little and like no one ever heard me. No one ever like paid attention when I was talking and no right. one ever saw me or and everybody just, you know, looked me over that when I walked on the stage and I had the audience's undivided attention for that moment, there was like this epiphany of, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. Cause I had yeah. this other side of me that was like a raging, yeah. um, egomaniac, like raging, uh, like you fucking deal with me you know you're yeah. gonna see me and you're gonna fucking deal with me you know <laughs> like this thing that come out but i was so small you know yeah so i just never looked back after that i just started acting and acting and acting all through my high school years in in boston yeah and then i moved to new york and i started studying and i got an agent and i started to work in the business instead of college i didn't go to college yeah i i went to college and graduated in nine months i mean my friends called it dropping out, but I was done. Yeah. Because I, I wasn't doing theater. I was doing stand-up. Oh, right. Uh, from the age that. of 10. Yeah. So yeah. I get that whole, hey, look at me thing. Hey, listen to me, see me. Yeah, yeah. For sure. And some kids, I think all children want their parents' attention, so they suffer a little bit from that. And then there are the outliers who suffer deeply from that. Yeah. And then stumble ass backwards into an actual career. It kind of sums it up for me. And a, and a path. Yeah, right. Which yeah. is a gift. Absolutely. From, from, from the universe. Absolutely. To just be set on your way yeah. at, at that age is extraordinary. Yeah, I knew at 12 that what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I haven't wavered from it since. In yeah. 42 years, whatever, since then. Yeah. Uh, or whatever it is. So, yeah, I was very lucky. It's pretty astonishing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I love that you remember all that, but you're not sure if it was a table read. 
that your first uh... i was at table read <laughs> yeah no i've i've seen I you there why are you fixating on this table read thing kevin <laughs> is it that something happened at that particular table read that was, i love uh... seeing you at the table read. i've been a fan for such a long time honestly and truly Thank that you. um yeah yeah when i heard well i i i you know they don't send us the casting before the table read so that was the first time i saw you having joined the universe uh um, so I certainly remember because um, while you might have been sitting at the table read thinking, oh, my God, there's Kevin Pollack. I was definitely thinking, oh, I my God. I was like, it wasn't, oh, my God, sell. there's Kevin Pollack. I was like, oh, fuck, there's Kevin Pollack. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> oh, it's Tony Shalhoub. Awesome. Well, fuck, yeah, the Character yeah. Actors Society. Yeah. Um, I was like, this is a great cast. Yeah. I yeah. don't belong here. <laughs> yeah. Well, we all felt that way right. um, after after uh, earning our way in. Yeah. We immediately suffered from imposter. Uh, no, but you know, isn't Amy like and Dan are the nicest people? Like they made me feel really, really welcome immediately. They love like, actors. Like, I've never I've never seen they, showrunners quite like it. They lavished me with you know love and and praise and thank you for being with us and was so excited to have you. It was like you felt great. You yeah. Know? But that feeds the imposter syndrome, that much yeah. attention. That's the right. weird dynamic. It's like, we, all right, now, we want, now I'm going to let them down. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we want that attention. We crave yeah. that attention. We yeah. need that attention. And the yeah. nanosecond we get it, yeah. we yeah. shun. We yeah. shun. Yeah. We, yeah. we question, what's the matter with this person? What's right. the matter with me? Right. right. What are they seeing me? Are they <laughs> confusing me with someone else? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'm never going to ask them who they think I am. Yeah. <laughs> you may have be confused with Fred Savage. I don't know. There you go. But no, that first scene with Midge um, was pretty great. Midge uh, and um, and uh, her manager's name again. Sorry. That's okay. The character is Susie. Susie. Susie, yeah. right. So it was Midge and Susie in my office. Yeah, I, I exactly. Think it was my first experience. I don't, yeah, I didn't know if you yeah that that office the production design Perfect. was it 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 when you walk on that set as an as an actor yeah. yeah you know you've had donna's brilliant wardrobe yeah i love donna that helps build every scene and every character yeah but then you walk onto that absolute stellar yeah uh, attention to detail fantastic it just yeah. it makes your job so easy so it helps easy. It helps you forget about the lack of the hair, maybe. Right. Well, yeah, that was a, that was nothing. I didn't. That was just a, a footnote. But sure. No, I walked on the set and it was like, "This is my office. This is an extension of me." It informed me a lot about the character, and I knew he was this eccentric kind of slob and uh, yeah. workaholic and passionate uh, civil libertarian, and uh, and uh, the set was just it was like the wardrobe. The set and the wardrobe it just makes your job so much easier. And then those words. And then those words. Yes. You know, uh, it's fantastic, man. Yeah. Well, your articulation of the character in that scene was just spot on perfect. Um, I don't know what it was like for you to rewatch it or watch it for the first time, per my instructions. I didn't watch that one. You told me to okay. watch a different one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I thought uh, so, but you remember this scene. Yeah, I remember clearly. it. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very good. Very good. Yeah, I love yeah. that scene. Um, 
So I said the finale of season two, right? Yeah. All alone. Yeah. That's a great episode. Such a great episode, right? Yeah. Beautiful. Anything from that episode, and we'll get to your scene um, with Abe, which is towards the end of the episode. But there's so much that happens in that episode, and thank you for rewatching it. Oh, Did yeah. you had you watched it originally? I don't know if I don't want to assume people who are on the show also watch the show. I don't watch anything, Kevin. That, the, I don't that, watch that you're anything. in or anything in general. Anything, because period that I'm in or anything else for that matter. I don't watch anything. So it's just PBS still. I don't have cable, so <laughs> right. I don't even get PBS. Sure. No, I pretty much uh, watch YouTube. That's about it. Okay. Yeah. No, Fair. but uh, no, I have Amazon and all that stuff. I was able to, to watch it. I just don't, I just was never a TV watcher because I was not allowed to watch TV when I was growing up. So I, yeah. it's never been in my sure. habit. I'm either going to like play a video game or read a book or, you know, go into YouTube, into a rabbit hole, following some interest. Yeah. Um, or I just don't think, I don't ever watch TV. Mm -hmm. you know? I'll watch whatever I've done to see, you know, if I thought it, I did a good job or not, that didn't come out right. And what can I do to get better? Yeah. You know, but, uh, that's more analysis. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say from that episode, I mean, I thought Luke Kirby's, uh, performance was fucking, I, I hope he got a nomination or a win for that. He, I don't know if, if it was from that particular episode, but he did win an Emmy uh, for the show. Yeah, well-deserved. Yeah, for I mean, sure. He nails that thing. That yeah. Guy, did guy. you go on your favorite YouTube to watch the actual scene uh, that they're replicating? No, right? I didn't. No, well, it's, but it's, I, it's, I it's did there, see by the way. it a long time ago. Yeah, I did there. see it actually when we were doing the episode, I, I watched that. Oh, you did? Yeah. It's astonishing to watch that and the finished product of Amy's version back to back. Yeah. Because that's a painstaking replication. Oh yes. Oh yeah. I mean, his every eyebrow raised, it was like perfect. Yeah. 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 Very impressive. Um, and then your scene with Tony, I think. That was a bitch to shoot. Why? Me. Cause it was, an, it was in a one, it was a oneer, Yeah. And it was like, it looped around and I had to put my hand on his shoulder and then move. It was very highly, as most of the show is highly choreographed. Sure. But like there's, um, a, there's a scene where like Joel and his friend are like talking. There's a whole scene, but they're hitting baseballs. Yes. Like that must've been a nightmare. It was. Cause they had to hit every single ball. And then they had yeah. to hit them at the same time. Yeah. And it was a long, long take. It was a one-er. It was a one-er, and then I think it did cut. And then there was, yeah. and then it the did. scene continued. But the, yes. the first piece, that must have been a, I'm sitting here, I'm going, that was, must have been a fucking nightmare. Yeah, there were a couple like, of- what if, what if these fucking misses? <laughs> misses or uh, because there was concern that they would hit our genius Steadicam operator, Jim McConkey, um, with one of those hard balls, uh, they did have to CGI a couple in. It was decided that when 
when I think when the camera was spot on right in front of them, yeah, they would do everyone a favor and and mime the picking up and hitting, okay, and then add sense. the balls. But that those were the only ones within that whole long oneer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it's astonishing. I love doing oneers, but I mean they're very stressful. We did a ton of oneers on the vinyl that were yeah, like I'll bet highly choreographed, but like super cool. But man, it's stressful on actors because, oh, on everybody. Yeah. I'm only speaking as an actor. I mean, they're stressful on everybody in the crew and everybody's got to be perfect. And, yeah. uh, you know, but they, they're great when you get them right. Yeah, I, I hadn't done many before this show. And then uh, I haven't counted how many I've now done. But it is by far, and everyone's commented so far on the podcast about them, you know, the most stressful, but also the most rewarding, for sure. Yeah, 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 for sure. You Absolutely. just can't believe you got it right once. Yeah, yeah, right. And, but you can't just do it once. They have to have a safety, right? It's, it's, they have nothing else to, to go to. And also, if it's Amy and also Dan, um, that was great. Keep it. Mark that one. Let's go again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the best direction. Let's do it again. Let's yeah. do it again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so yeah, that one or with with where Kessler and Abe meet at a yeah. cafe. I mean, it's a great, great. I mean, it's gorgeous. Like, I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah. But it was, you know, it was it it was hard to and stressful to do. Yeah. And the dialogue about Abe's meeting with Kessler to discuss his plan to return to a life that will soon need the right kind of lawyer. Yes. And right. that excites Kessler. Right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which he is, loves a good yeah. fight. Loves oh, to man. stick it, stick it to the man, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, then in season three, Kessler walks into the living room to meet with his new client, Abe, only to be completely baffled at the sight of Miriam Mason. Yes, yeah, 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 it's great. Like, how do you know each other? Yeah. <laughs> it's my father. Yeah. Yes. Oh, man, I love that so much. Yeah, you're dating Lenny Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, all of that. Yeah. Um, and that this is so much fun, man. Yeah, and you get yeah. to one of the main sets on the soundstage for the Weissman apartment. That's one of the yeah. absolute stalwarts of the show. In terms yeah, of yeah. Yeah. And, and also one that you might not have thought you would find yourself in. No. Necessarily. Not necessarily. I was there twice, actually. I was there with Jason Alexander. That's right. And uh, I, we're going to get to that. We're okay. gonna get to that. Oh yeah, yeah, man. I want I want your yeah, take yeah. on on that as well for sure. Yeah. Um. What what uh, this one though? Early in season three, I get, was it episode two that I'm, we're discussing about you running into Miriam at, at I think Abe's that was yeah. two. Yeah. 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 Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Um. Yes. And. And. Uh, this it, it does become a little bit of who's on third. The the banter back yeah. and forth. Who's on first? Right, because yeah. it's like you. What? Hey, why yeah. is it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's like perfect, perfect, yeah. perfect. I like that stuff. Like I've worked with the Coens. You know, yeah. I've done a bunch of uh, 
I was in uh, Inside Lewin Davis, the film yeah. of the Cohen brothers. But then I also did a bunch of plays that Ethan Cohen had written. Oh, wow. And so I, I'm in my comfort zone when somebody's giving me like real, like razor sharp dialogue that has to be delivered in a specific kind of cadence and way. I, I mean, I'm just totally comfortable in that, in that environment. I like, I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. So well, you was, thrive. Was, you th I thrive in that. That was the thing about Mrs. Maisel was that you got to really, you know, I got to lean into like my strength, you know? Yeah. How exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, most TV or films or whatever, the writing isn't always that great. You know, nope. you're not often lucky enough unless you're, you know, a very powerful star in the, in the business. You're not often lucky enough to get great writing to work with, you know, a really like top nope. drawer dialogue to work with. Mostly you're trying to put lipstick on a pig and that becomes uh, another talent or strength that, you know, yep. you get given some expository garbage yep. and you got to make it like, it's all like coming off the top of your head at that moment. And, and uh, you know, and that's what you, that's what you learn how to do. Yeah. But then when you're finally given something that's like, you can really like rise up rise up to it and start you know singing and dancing with it that's yeah. just a that's just a joy of joys yeah well um it's a marvel to watch you work in these scenes and it is clear and not surprising that you are leaning into your strength um in fact later in season three uh it's a great scene in episode four where an abe and two of his subversive newspaper upstarts wonderfully portrayed by Devin Bostick and Madeline Martin, who I'll add is also a guest on an episode of this podcast, breaking down um, episode four, season three, this very episode. Anywho, Kessler is on the phone, I believe trying to make a deal for Abe and his cohorts. Yeah. But this doesn't go at all <laughs> as planned. This is when- Because um... Abe's offended that they're gonna play this out. Right, this is where Abe and what was um, Jason's character's name? Well, no, this is before that, before Asher. Uh, oh, this is this is. I did a phone call with with Abe and Asher. What about like a early version of a speakerphone? Yes, is that, yeah. is that what you're talking about? No, uh, this one. You're um, in your office. It is uh -huh. episode four of season three, shortly after the one we just talked about. But you're in your office, and Abe and. Um, a young man and a young woman who he's trying to start this new newspaper. Oh, yes, right. And you're on the phone, I feel like, trying to get charges dropped or, or, right. or yeah. Yes. And it, it ends up, Abe, no, he doesn't want to plea. He wants... Right, right, right. He, he refuses the deal right, that you're right. making on the phone. Yeah. Right, 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 right. That's right, that's right. <laughs> that was hilarious, yes. No, I'm... Uh... Yeah, I mean that was a that was just a blast as well to do. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was it was fun to be back in my office. Sure, you know, because I had this whole running thing with my phone, like the yes. phone had this endless cable. Yeah, I was constantly like rocking around like a madman, but then getting tied up in the fucking things and constantly like pulling it over my legs, and I had this whole thing going on with the with the phone wire. But I will tell you, it never looked like shtick, ever. You were you were so committed, and it was beautifully written as always. But you know these things could lean into shtick quite easily. 
Yeah, that's in, the, in, the hard part, right? Yeah. So the, the hard part is, so when it leans into shtick, it's because me, the, the words actor, aren't great. <laughs> me, the actor, no, the words can be great and it can get sticky because the actor is focusing on the business. Yes. So, so on that, like I had to rehearse it so I could forget about, so I could focus on the action. Right, yeah. which was whatever I'm on the phone with, but this thing is a distraction, right? So if I'm like one and I'm making a thing out of it, like that's what I'm focused on, that becomes shtick. Yeah. Right. But that takes like rehearsal, 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 which you don't have all that much time on the set, you know? Nope. So you got to work fast and you got to work smart. You got to go, okay, I'm going to go like this around the table and I'm going to try to move. And that's going to get on my way. I'm going to make this fucking thing. And I'm going to focus is over here always. You know yeah. what I mean? That's, yeah. that's what you learn how to do. That's yeah. what, what we know how to do as actors, you know? Yeah. Well, your training and your, your uh, you know, self-awareness in moments like that to, as you say, know it so well, you can forget it. Yeah. And then it becomes organic to the moment instead of shtick is right. just beautifully articulated. And um yeah, I, I love that kind of business. So do I, yeah. So much to watch as a fan, especially in the right hands, uh, where it's not about the business. You're 100% correct, 100%. Kevin, behind you, that picture is a little crooked. Have <laughs> yes, you noticed it is. that? Well, is that, is that I'm on? so glad you mentioned it. And, and I'm gonna be sending you a prize Okay. This is, I think, number 24 of these podcasts I've I've recorded from this guest room. I was just saying it was bothering me, so I had to say at least <laughs> a, a, a let you know maybe you wanted to fix it. Yeah, well, what I need to do, I think, is, is get a screen grab. Uh, note to Ken in post. Make sure you get a screen grab of this, uh, what, what Max is describing. I don't know um, which one is crooked, the top one, the bottom one, or both of them. You're not supposed to know, Max. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, you were saying, sir, sorry. <laughs> but I will tell you it's the bottom one. Um, but you're still getting the prize. Uh, yeah, so these, to, to, to not make it about the business. You know, when I watched my favorites growing up, whether it was early Woody Allen movies or oh, yeah. early Steve Martin yeah. or, you know, the, the greats throughout time. But what about like Jackie Gleason on The Honeymooners? Well, of course. All of them, Art Carney, all that. I mean, imagine. Well, Art Carney at least went to rehearsal. So he really worked on yeah, his, yeah. His, his business. Yeah. Whereas Gleason to me was more of a phenom. He yeah, was such right. a natural, which yeah. is a hero to me yeah, someone yeah. who didn't have formal training but just sort of learned while i earned and picked right. up by studying the greats but i'm so glad you mentioned carney because art carney was the the real true genius actor uh of the two the, oh my the women, god Jeez. women were amazing on the show they were all amazing but god i mean, I mean carney carney's physical uh physicality ridiculous ridiculous but like never shtick you know it was always nope. like action oriented could have like been he's trying to set up the shot whatever he's just doing like yep. that like his him focus thinking. his focus yeah. you can see him thinking where his focus is and it's activated you know what i mean it's not it's self-indulgent that's why it's not no. sticky you know what that's I mean? right yeah no he's you watch a lot of sitcoms yeah and they think they're being slick and nope. most people buy it 
yeah most in tv land out there are buying it but yeah. to those of us who can who can know what we're looking at yeah i'm like that's some bullshit. Yeah, that I have this discussion with my better half, Jamie, our our research research producer here on the podcast. I I have this discussion with her, and she's picked up over time. And I will hear hear her now call uh, people out for these uh, bits and yeah. and and tricks. Yeah, even the greats suffer from this at, sure. at some point. Jack Lemon, who was one of the all-time great, 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 great actors, great, great towards, actors, towards the, the latter part of his career, he did rely on certain tricks. Sure. Um, and now Al Pacino, still brilliant. Absolutely. Is a but major, a, but he's a major of, fucking, fucking scene chewer. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, everything now is with the movement of the hands. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. It's always shifting yeah. things around. Yeah, yeah. How do I do this? Yeah, yeah. Also, at what point did Al Pacino become an old black blues player? I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He went from like, I'm dying over here. I'm dying. I'm dying over here. And it was yeah. like, you know, and all of a sudden now his voice is like, you know, five octaves lower. Yeah. Well, it was all that yelling that got him the Oscar. And then I better keep yelling if they're. Yeah listening which all of us children i'll take a flamethrower to this place <laughs> yeah yeah but in the very next one uh opposite keanu reeves the devil's advocate he's he's so close to keanu physically geographically in the scene but he's yelling <laughs> he's an absentee landlord and yeah, i just yeah. picture on the set <laughs> the, direct, the director going cut uh al buddy Great, love it. But you're five feet from him, so yeah. I don't know that you need to be that loud. I mean, he's playing the devil, right? So <laughs> the devil's angry. He's cranky. I get it. I love yeah, it. I yeah. Love that energy. Yeah. But yeah. again, he's five feet away. <laughs> yeah, it's the true, tricks man. are tough, man. And um, and and your work doesn't show any of them. Uh, and I just celebrate it, honestly and truly. You're the you're the first guest on the podcast where. Instead of just breaking down one episode with that guest, I wanted to sort of walk through various episodes that you're in, but also make this a very special tribute because, again, I am such an insane fan uh, of your work over the years. You know, uh, Tim Burton, Cohen Brothers, as you wow. mentioned, so yeah, many great yeah. filmmakers. And it just, you know, you step up to those plates, you, you, you know, you're dependent upon to not always just swing for the fences, you know? Yeah. I got the best direction uh, 30 years ago this year. I did A Few Good Men and Rob, I was very- Oh yeah, you were great still, in that, man. Still, so, thank you. Yeah. Still sort of struggling with uh, imposter complex. And he said to me, you know, he gave me this incredible advice that, that, was, that was not on the nose. It was just perfection. He said, you know, uh, regarding what you what I need from you in this piece, um, you know, Jack, just by showing up, he's going to hit a grand slam every time he opens his mouth. Tom is going to be swinging for the fences a lot to try to go toe to toe with Mount Rushmore Nicholson. Demi will also have to put a lot of wood on that ball to st stay in the mix and shine. You, 
I need, I need you to hit one into the gap and maybe bring in one run. And it was, wow. it was, it was so specific uh, to be a utility hitter, to be, to yeah. be someone I can depend on in a scene. How does that translate into like what you're supposed to do in the, in the role? Well, the, the, the character in that piece as, as written, you know, by Sorkin is the conscious of, of, of these characters. He, he's the one who says, you know, they picked on a weaker kid. Yeah. Um, I don't care that they were following orders. Yeah. They tortured and killed a weaker kid. And so he's, he really is, as Rob was saying, he's, I need you as a solid foundation in every scene you're in. Stoic, the rock. I don't need you doing. Don't anything. be so grandiose. You got enough of that. Don't be interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would find but, that direction a little bit insulting. Well, I'll tell you what. So I was talking to one of the all-time great character actors, J.T. Walsh, in his trailer. And I was confessing. He plays Markinson, the spoiler yeah. alert, the one who Nicholson's right hand and kills himself. So I confess. And he was one of the great subversives oh, of I all love time. Love of him. all yeah. time. He was great. Yeah. Chicago actor, Chicago theater. And I confessed to him, I don't, I don't think, I'm I'm ready for this role. I'm not theater trained like everybody else. Um, this is the movie I'm found out on. Tom Cruise wasn't theater trained. <laughs> well, good point. And neither was Jack Nicholson. Yeah. And neither right. was Demi Moore. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody well, was. <laughs> JT Walsh didn't say that, but yeah. he did say, uh, you're already doing a technique, Kevin, that actors train and study their whole lives to try to master. And that is less is more. And he said, I'll give you the other half of that. Less is more, nothing is best. If you can do nothing in a scene and pull yeah. focus, yeah. You, you win. Right, but like, you're not doing nothing. What you're not doing is adding anything. Yeah. Right, you're I, not I, helping it. Like I had a teacher who said, don't lift a finger for it. Yeah, don't you lift a finger. Do nothing but... Think the thoughts of the character. What are you after? What do you want? What am I listening for? You know, and just yeah. fucking be. And it's about physical relaxation. Like I had a, I came to an epiphany not that long ago in between takes. I was doing wow. a scene with an, uh, an actress and we're sitting in a booth. And I re realized that in between takes, we were relaxing, chatting. And then we go, okay, uh, pictures up, last looks, you know, or, or whatever they say. And suddenly I'm like, find myself like getting into my actor stance, you know, like, and then I went, why am I doing, why am I shifting? I was yeah. comfortable before, yeah. you know, just act from there. Yeah. You know, and that's part of like not helping and not adding to it. physical relaxation, being completely relaxed. And I don't have to do anything Yeah. because I know what I'm, what I'm interested in, in the scene. Yeah. Yeah, the scene in particular for me uh, with Tom Cruise is is we come in from the rain and uh, my character has to convince him to take on the case when he's full of doubt. And I mentioned his father and he was this great, 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 great trial lawyer, which Tom Cruise's character isn't. He's a plea bargain specialist. 
And I say, in this situation, I would take you over your father any day of the week and twice on Sunday. And in that scene, it was all about Tom's drunk, he's dripping wet, he's a movie star, and his character comes to a decision, and all of that is going to be performed. And opposite him is going to be a rock, his friend who he needs in this moment to be stoic and a rock. And there's almost no physical movement from my face. Then there's zero movement from my body because I was just hell bent on being. Yeah. So, so it all came back to what Rob had said earlier right. in his baseball analogy, right? which might seem insulting, but I took it as, as don't ever in this role, please, feel like you need to do something in a scene as you articulated right that makes that i would understand if you said it like that <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah enough with the baseball analogy yeah, yeah but um i did i worked with a director named uh pablo Lorraine in a film called jackie starring uh, about jackie onassis and oh, Jackie yeah. kennedy starring natalie portman and i was playing um jack valenti uh right hand man to lbj and Pablo Lorraine is this Chilean, a Chilean filmmaker, and he's actually the son of po high-ranking politicians in Chile, and he knows very powerful people. And he told me, he said, you move your face too much. You're too expressive with your face. And that is a weakness in this world. Wow. To give away too much. I want you to just don't move a muscle in your face. Wow. And I got to tell you, I did a take like that, and it felt like garbage, uh -huh. garbage. And he was like, that's what I want. Yeah, yeah. I was like, no, come on. That's like, I wasn't doing anything. It was, that's exactly what I want. Yeah. But it felt terrible. Sure. Because I'm used to being, you know, expansive anyways. You know what I mean? Like, it's not about an acting thing. It's just the way I am, regardless. Your, you name, your name does end in a vowel, forgive exactly. me. Exactly, and I'm half Jewish. Oh boy. I was raised by uh, a Jew from the Bronx and an oh, no. Italian girl from Long Island. Oh no. You know? So yeah. I got slapped from both sides of the of the kitchen table. Yep. So and everyone's expressive in your yeah. world. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it is it is surreal and bizarre to play someone without expressiveness. Right. Right. Yeah. It didn't feel good, but then like I saw it and I was like, wow, I don't have to really do anything. I mean, it's all <laughs> conveying it's working without my like raising, like, what? <laughs> you know, like my eyebrows, you know, like I got a rubber face, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, you're in great hands with that director, so you can easily trust him. Yeah. And that's what it's about also. Forget what's right. comfortable for you. No, no, right. It's good not to be comfortable. Yeah. You, you sure. know that you're probably in the right place if you're not comfortable. That's right, you know? that's right. Yeah. And as a stand up comedian, you know, I to be told to do nothing also didn't feel right. I'm but, sure. Yeah. But in that whole film that becomes this juggernaut that shits on almost 20 years of stand up at that point in my life. And I just become this dramatic actor overnight because the movie's a big hit. And I'm the only person really in the cast that the audience is sort of discovering. Everybody's famous. And then so the rest of my career, I do nothing. I throw it all away because that's what works for me. Yeah. To never be caught acting. Was ever. that before or after you did um, Usual Suspects? It was a couple of years before. 
Yeah, because yeah, you were great in the usual suspects. Well, thank you. But but there because, again, what was that line you had? You had uh, he goes, "What are you gonna do if you go back to prison? Fuck your father in the shower and have a snack? You gonna question me, asshole?" <laughs> <laughs> I remember that's great, man. Yeah, that's in an Academy Award-winning screenplay, by the way. Yeah, fuck your father in the shower and have a snack. Yeah, yeah, fuck your father in the shower and have a snack. Christopher McQuarrie, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Right. McHugh, indeed. Uh, the last thing I want to uh, run by you is, in fact, the scene you hit, in, briefly mentioned before I cut you off, which is with Jason Alexander as Asher, the old pal of Abe. Yeah. And that you're meeting also with this Phoebe, this Agent Weber from the FBI, played by Quinn Van Antwerp. Van yes. Ant Twerp, Van and Twerp. That's that was in uh, the living room. Yep. Yes. Yeah, the the Weissman home living room. Right. And you're really there to sort of they're just there to wrap things up. Right. Wrap it up. Right. Easy peasy. And Easy that's peasy. all Max is about right. in the scene. Right. right? right. That's it. That yeah. that yeah. that's what um it seems to be your objective as an actor. It seems to be what's written. Yes. Uh uh, you know, for Kessler and and then again, Abe is offended by the notion. Right, right, right. <laughs> because he's jealous of Asher and his wife. Yep. Yeah. You know. Asher, Asher which, entered the yeah. building. I was outside. There you go. Asher lit the fire. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I don't great. remember any of my own lines. I remember everybody else's. Well, that's great, though. That's phenomenal. Um, well, listen, pal, I can't thank you enough, honestly and truly. Oh, man, my pleasure, Kevin. I've been such a fan of yours forever. And uh, it's a real pleasure was to work together and, uh, and to be on your podcast. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, have they kept us apart? I couldn't remember. We, I don't we think we ever worked together. No, we never had scenes together, but I'm thinking of all of our movie careers in terms of sometimes I'll find out I worked with an actor in a movie, but we never had scenes together, so I didn't know. So right. maybe we, we were, IMDb has the more than possible. It's more yeah. than possible. Yeah. Um, but you're, you're, you're phenomenal and anyone's lucky to work with you. And I, I, I really, really enjoyed having this time with you um, and uh, look forward to watching Tulsa King. Tulsa King, November 13th, Paramount Plus. It's going to be fantastic. Right on, man. And many successful seasons with that as well, should you desire. God willing. Yeah, there we go. All right. Well, thank you very much, Max. Well, 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 there you go. Yes, Max Casella. Hello. Wonderful. Incredible. So smart and um, so talented. A true artist. Uh, do get a chance to check out his work. And uh, this television program he spoke of. How about that? Um, yeah. Write to me with follow-up questions for Max or comments. My Mrs. Maislepot at gmail.com. I'm going to open up the mailbag right now. Ah, uh, let's see if what we got in the mailbag today. This one comes from uh, uh, months ago. Lily from Mexico. Very early in the process of my asking for emails was kind enough to write. Hello, Lily from Mexico, who wrote, Hello, dear Kevin. Thanks so much for doing this podcast. I can't get enough of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It's my favorite show. And I can't wait to rewatch it for the fourth time. I see Luke Kirby is your first guest, so here I go. And then she writes a wonderful question for Luke. 
um, which I will send him and uh, share with you at a later time. And then she has, P.S. for Kevin, I think you could ask the fans to send a little voice note, one minute or so, telling what the show means to them, and you can share those in the podcast and let the guests comment on that. P.S. number two, I love Moish. Love, Lily from Mexico. Thank you, Lily. Well, this was a comment more than a question, but I wanted to read it when I went through and was looking at some early email fan mail. And um, yeah, I, I love this idea. So, so yes, indeedy. You can create a minute or less voicemail, comment, question, anything uh, for me or any of the guests. Anyone who worked on the show, and you can send it to my mrsmazelpod at gmail.com as an, in the body of the email attachment. This is a great idea. And then I will play your question on the show. Yes, I have the capabilities. Oh, Lily from Mexico, you did great. And I thank you for your email. All right, that is our show for today. Um, again, write to us whether you want to type. Or record your questions and comments at mymrsmazelpod at gmail.com. Thank you all so very much. Um, yeah, until next time, see you in my dreams, and please be kind to each other, won't you? That's all I ask. Okay, closing credits time. My Mrs. Maisel Pod was created by me, your host, Kevin Pollack, research writer, producer, Jamie Fox, and our engineer, recording, post-production producer genius is Ken Plume. My Mrs. Maisel Pod is brought to you by the fine folks at Q-Code. Q-Code. Sounds like something, doesn't it? Oh, lastly, you should know... I'm told by legal to make this crystal clear that my Mrs. Maisel pod was not sanctioned in any way, shape, or form by Amazon Prime, nor the show's creators, Amy Sherman Palladino and Dan Palladino, although I feel the need to mention I did get their blessing. Okay, good. That should save me some legal.
Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale, it's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Everyone needs a break from the real world. That's why we played games as kids, and that's why we should play games as adults. I'm Troy Lavalley. And I'm Joe O'Brien. And back in 2015, we started a podcast called The Glass Cannon Podcast, a show made up of comedians and actors playing a fantasy role-playing game. And now is the perfect time to start listening because we just started a brand new story. It's basically Lord of the Rings meets Game of Thrones meets X-Files. Search for The Glass Cannon Podcast on your podcast app of choice. Hey, life is hard, so come play pretend with us. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.